0: Hello and welcome to The Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Each episode we will assign where the blame lays in spoiling a perfect Nicholas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we will start with Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score which gives us the points nicked that we will split them between the director, writers, and Cage stars. This week we are looking at the movie Mandy. In Mandy, Nick Cage plays Red Miller, the hardworking everyman lumberjack, with an unknown past that includes a crossbow named Reaper and a pithy hermit of a man named Carruthers. When a cult leader's Jeremy Sand sends a Cenobite motorcycle gang to kidnap his sci-fi fantasy-drawn wife, Mandy, things go horribly wrong, resulting in wonky camera filters, folk music, and the immolation of Mandy in front of Red. Red responds in kind, murdering cultists and gang members, finally riding off with his best ghost, Mandy, into a Frank Frazetta painting. Mandy was released in 2018, runs 121 Minutes, it grossed $1.7 million at the box office versus a $6 million budget. It was directed by Panos Cosmatos, written by Cosmatos and Aaron Stewart-On. It was co-starred Andre Risenborough, Linus Roche, Ned Dennehy with Richard Brake and Bill Duke. It scored 81 out of 100 with the Metacritics, and that gives us 19 points of discredit to account for. And we will start with our ever-present question. Malcolm, how did you enjoy this movie? I liked it a lot. It reminded me of the, uh, the like
1: more like art house horror movies that have been coming out like Midsummer and, um, what was that first one? Hereditary, but not, obviously not as high of a uh, production value, I'd say.
0: Well, this is kind of a, I think it had like a homage, kind of like Quentin Tarantino does sometimes too and stuff to more of a seventies aesthetic. I mean, they even filmed it in a specific uh camera style that that stretched out the the ratio or something to made it look more like an old old old-fashioned movie. Yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. It was, it was shot really cool though. I I like that part a lot. I like that. I don't know. I, I have always, I've never really enjoyed a lot of the experimental 70s movies. And I think some of it was good, but I I, I think maybe it's just stretched on too long, especially at the beginning of the movie.
1: Oh yeah. I kept waiting. If the first half of the movie, I felt like should have just been the first like 10 minutes, like 15 minutes of it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, they stretched the beginning a lot.
0: Yeah, and then they also kind of stretched out the weird little thing where after they've they've kidnapped Mandy and they do the whole I guess LSD tripping thing with the I mean overall it was a good I thought it was a really good movie too. I, I it's kind of weird that they scored this one 81 compared to some of the other movies that we've watched where they're much lower. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were much more entertaining, but I guess this one was made well.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if it's one of those things where there just weren't as many um, bigger movie critics rating it. I don't know. I didn't see how many people reviewed it, but yeah, it's weird that this is the one that got up to eighty-one. What so was a? Uh, I mean, it was less. It was more cohesive than Prisoners of Ghostland. But what was that one? Like sixty or? Oh no, that 50 was way something?
0: that was way way down there on that one. It was
1: a fifty-three. Honestly, this one seemed just as weird to me as that one did. And I
0: think that one had just as many cool, like, uh, designed decisions. Well, I think this, this one was much more cohesive. Also, this one is really more. And I think a lot of the Metacritic scores sometimes go with the, um, like horror fans are scoring or, or scoring it and they have some very distinctive tastes. And this one kind of played to a lot of those, especially to the or, older horror fans. I don't know. I, the whole thing, I just some of it was just way too long. And I think it was, they didn't go into some of the stuff I'd really liked. I liked watching them, uh, Nicolas Cage and his wife as a couple yeah i i thought that was some of the coolest things actually some of the things that he was doing with her were, were actually some of the cooler things i've seen nicholas cage do um he's just acting like a normal guy i'd almost like to have just watched a movie about them with something where they're having problems with their neighbors or something would have been fun yeah or him just him cutting the you know he's just watching the tv and cutting the steak with his knife and stuff which just was great yeah i wish they i wish they had spent more time on bandy also um since she's
1: what's named after, but I didn't feel like we learned a whole lot about her during that. Any of it, yeah. Just that, I mean, she was gone very suddenly. Yeah. I didn't know she was going to get killed off
0: before anything happened. Oh really? I I didn't yeah. realize. I I was I was watching with it, and and Melissa was like, I just thought this was supposed to be a horror movie. And I'm like, I don't think it's really a horror movie. I mean, it I, in some ways it was, but it was more of a a revenge fantasy. Or something like that i don't know i don't remember being particularly scared at any point during it no
1: Uh, the scariest thing i think was just the design of the the biker gang
0: but even that i mean they were
1: just weird looking more than anything
0: and that was just bizarre too the way they i mean well then they had the octarian of time or whatever they called him on was was a weird little couple things there was like they were hinting at mysticism and like maybe some kind of black magic but it never really was all the way through
1: yeah i didn't when i finished watching i didn't know if those were actual like demons they were summoning or what um so yeah i i really don't i have no idea what happened um they brought the lsd and then i felt i thought they were just going to drop it completely um but then he finds the chemist (laughs) with a with
0: a tiger is that what he had yeah, it was a tiger in a in a cage and he lets the tiger go. And uh that whole such I mean they were neat scenes and they're strung together and it kind of made some kind of sense, I guess, but man, that one was just really, really weird. But it, it was I kept I kept like I started off and I kept going, oh, this is Napoleon Dynamite plus Hellraiser. I was always thinking when they called the, the demon bikers because they had that guy sitting next to him, the one of the cultists sitting next to him was reminding me of Napoleon Dynamite. And they just kept adding stuff. It was like Napoleon Dynamite plus Hellraiser plus Eight Millimeter, which is actually another <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie. Then we added in Fury Road and Evil Dead. I mean, it just it just kept layering things on top of it. Um,
1: is the guy who reminds you of Napoleon Dynamite? Was it uh the guy whose mouth was open the entire movie? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it was the, the younger one. He was the one that with the uh that was polishing the um <laughs> the station wagon. Yep. Before Nicolas Cage made an incredible axe throw out of nowhere um oh he was a lumberjack they established that all lumberjacks can throw axes so yeah i, I yeah but they also had that thing where he goes to go see Carruthers, which i was like a weird name. i don't know that was a whole weird section of it yeah okay so what
1: so who was correct <laughs> I, I apparently didn't follow any of this he left his his crossbow with Carruthers, but i have no idea who Carruthers was or why his
0: spot crossbow was so special well, I would I would say that maybe the reason why it isn't that you missed anything. I don't think they ever explained anything, which actually in movies I'm perfectly okay with. Because it yeah. was obviously like, okay, so and then and then he forges that axe. <laughs> I mean
1: <laughs> that axe was the most ridiculous, unwieldy thing possible.
0: I forgot what they, they said it was like that the axe is in the shape of some kind of um oh it's a heavy metal band, a nor like a a mm-hmm. Norris metal band or something like that from, you know, one of those Norwegian ones that are from Europe mm-hmm. and that's their, their logo. And they use this band's logo as the, as the ax, which is makes sense. Um, it was a really cool looking axe. It but, was, yeah. that but... thing,
1: he, There was no handle on it or anything. He just was holding sharp metal while stabbing other people. Does he,
0: he barely uses it too. Yeah. And, it, and he and it took him what, like, it seemed like probably, three hours to throw it together. I don't know anything about metallurgy or, you know, or creating weapons out of scratch or pour I mean, the whole thing, but I think it would take probably close to a week to make something like that, I would guess.
1: I don't know anyone. I know people who make knives at home, but I don't know anyone who makes like a full blacksmith worth of equipment at home, (laughs) especially a lumberjack whose wife didn't seem to work. Who lived on a lake cabin.
0: And he made it where? That <laughs> oh, was the other thing. Is where did he? Where did yeah? Because the this? house had already burned down at that point, hadn't it? Yeah. And so Carruthers had this all set up for him somewhere. Uh, ah, good old Carruthers. It, it did look really cool when he had his, his glasses on. You could see the flames in the glasses. <laughs> oh.
1: Okay. Should we talk about the uh, the other actors then?
0: Sure. Let's go through that then. Let's start with the actors. Okay, so the first one, I guess we'll go with Mandy. Andre Risenborough, she was scary. Very creepy. <laughs> she had the creepy thing down perfectly.
1: The contacts they had her wearing, too.
0: Whenever they did a filter, she was wearing, like, black contacts, it looked like. Oh, well, yeah, I the filters and stuff, I don't know. Yeah, that was just the whole thing where I'm, like, trying to figure out what was going on with that. In most movies, when they do this, what I think what I liked about this was that in most movies, you're like, why is she with him? You know, I think because, I mean, Nicolas Cage is just a killing machine, basically, who is now a lumberjack who ate steak and watches cartoons with her. Mm-hmm. So if she would have been like this really beautiful woman or everything else, it would have been like hey, she's working at a gas station and she's with this guy. Who's not and, there very often, I'd imagine, with this lumberjacking. Yeah. yeah, and she's just a weird woman. That's like, oh, this is oh, this makes sense. These two are together. Makes perfect sense. And then there was a. Um...
1: Now I can't forget the fact that that's the lawyer from Law and Order as the cult leader.
0: Linus Roach. You know, I'm sitting here watching it and I'm like, the guy looks familiar. I'm like, "Ah, okay. And of course, the scene where I completely recognized him was right in the middle when he's introducing himself to Mandy, which if you haven't seen the movie, I would hope you would watch it before you listen to this, but the full frontal of Linus Roach in the in the crucifix position in front of the girl and i and like and all of a sudden that was right about the time where I'm like oh oh that's that's the guy that i've been watching on law and order for the last 20 years i i don't i didn't recognize him until afterwards I just kept thinking i recognized this guy but i couldn't figure yeah. out from where and then I can hear in my head then from then on it's just that tongue tong over and over again <laughs> oh i i don't know if I'll be able to watch uh several epi- there are several episodes of law and order now i probably will never real see again um yeah he was good i thought all the cult members were kind of good because they were all obviously losers also he wasn't that great of a guy mm-hmm. um he <laughs> you're like why would people follow this guy and then you see the people that are following him and you go oh okay. uh, that makes sense yeah yeah he's got drugs that's why <laughs> Did you catch the part that that was actually his album that he was playing?
1: Yes, I did, and that's a real album. It's been it was fully made. <laughs> oh, I think it's like twenty I, minutes long. The song oh, they were listening to.
0: Oh my gosh, that whole scene was everything I hated about the seventies. was like folk music and <laughs> and like bad camera angles and just hippies, and I you know. And when I say hippies, I'm not, I just mean people that act, drugged out people that acted like that. Like, what are you doing? And then I was like, and he goes, it's not the carpenters. And I thought, oh God, they're not going to play the carpenters. And then they actually played something that was worse than the carpenters. Oh, yeah. that song was, yeah. So. I, I did look it
1: up. There's a full song though. <laughs> that goes, that goes with it. I, I'm looking at his IMDB right now. Uh-huh. Did you realize he was only on, this says he was only on law and order for
0: four years. That makes, yeah, probably. Really? I mean, he did a really good job. And then the other thing was, um, if you keep looking at his IMD, like it doesn't make any sense if you just know about the Law and Order, but if you look at the rest of it, it's like, oh, he was doing theater productions and all this other stuff. He, yeah, he did Riddick also, which was yeah a pretty low-budget film at the time for the first one. Yeah, and so he was basically a, a an actor, not like a movie star, but an actor, and that the Law and Order thing is, the, is actually more out of character for him probably than anything else. Uh, Bill Duke playing Crothers was great I don't know I don't have any problem really With any of them Any of them uh, The uh, the chemist is uh,
1: Because he was In Doom the movie uh-huh. With Dwayne Johnson um, And he's creeped me out ever since then I don't know what else he's been in Kingsman He was in Hannibal Rising He's just a creepy creepy guy That's probably the creepiest part of the film for me Was just seeing him
0: yeah, that was, and it was also, that was also weirdly shot. That was a really nice set where it was just all in black and you just had the couple of, mm-hmm. and that's, I think that's one of the places where I actually like that filter thing they were doing. The tiger was really cool. Um, I think the tiger was supposed to be something else. I'm
1: trying to remember what I read. I, maybe a, maybe a lizard of some sort originally. Oh, really? Because that yeah, was one of the only trivia things that found was that there was like an argument about what kind of, um, Oh, here it is. Revealed on Twitter, then early drafted script: the Bengal tiger was a giant lizard. And then when he arrived on set, they said, "Oh, by the way, it's a tiger now." And then put him in the scene with it. Well, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only thing I could find at all was I was like trying to look at some kind of uh, trivia on this one. Was um, and this has nothing to do with the movie, but in 2011, a naked intruder ate a fudge stickle at the foot of Nicolas Cage's bed after he broke into his house so that's weird yeah oh and then here's the uh
1: the thing about the song that i was saying so they made a full 17 minute track for the movie and when they released it it became a bestseller because of the movie (laughs) it was called uh my journey which details sans life and his views on the world and god Yeah, but yeah,
0: I, I liked all the actors. I, th- I didn't think anyone was bad in it. No. Um, yeah, it's like I, we were sitting there complaining about. It. It's like, well, why is uh, the one better than the other? And don't I think as we run through this, we're going to see why it was scored a higher number because I guess we can go. You want to go to? Let's go to the director next because we got the same thing where the screenplay was basically written by the director plus somebody else helping out and doing some touch-up yeah. stuff on it. Panos Cosmatos. Got to start. I, if I was reading right, got to start on the movie Tombstone, working for his dad. Oh, I and thought you were gonna say he like wrote Tombstone. No, I was like, oh, he was, that's, a, that's a switch up. No, well, and also it was a long time ago, but his dad was a was George Pan Cosmatos. Did a few little known movies. He did Tombstone, Leviathan, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Cobra. They drew First Blood. Yes, and. And then there was some other stuff there before that too, but he was a Sylvester Stallone guy for a couple of years there on tombstone. They actually brought him in cause they fired the original director and they just brought him in because that worked out. Yeah. Cause he, he got in there basically because um, Stallone, I think suggested them to Kurt Russell. Oh, okay. they, they, they were just looking for somebody to come in and basically point the camera in the right place. Um, and let all these big actors do their thing. Yeah. Cause Kurt Russell was basically directing it too, at that point. So, I mean, they, but he's an Italian guy. Um, this guy was was raised in his shadow or learned from him. And you can kind of see that. There's a lot of European, Italian. I don't know a lot about, about the European, Italian, French movies, but whenever I see them, a lot of that kind of, same kind of sensibility stuff seemed to come through on this with the storytelling and stuff. He does
1: have a, he's going to be in Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh-huh. He directed an episode of that. So I'm excited about that now. I didn't realize that was coming out
0: anytime soon. Yeah, that and he's got another one, another one called Beyond the Black Rainbow coming out. But other than that, he's basically been like doing system uh, assisted DP stuff and everything. So if we're gonna talk about problems I had with it, I think we both said is the first half is just way too long, mm-hmm. and it, it dealt too much with the bad, the bad guys, the creepy guys more I think than we would have rather seen Mandy and and nicholas cage working together more than that but I yeah i think pacing was my main problem with any of it yes yeah, once it gets going it's over pretty shortly afterwards yeah by the time he
1: has he, like he's made the axe and everything I, I think it's only the last like 20 or 30 minutes of the
0: film when he's doing yeah, everything else yeah it's like 30 minutes of of, of the action part of the after the when on that part yeah it's 20 30 minutes and then you're it's out so that first it, So it's like a hundred minutes of, well, I guess there's the 20 minutes of the bad stuff of Mandy. So there's like almost an hour of just kind of nothing. Yeah.
1: Cause Uh, I mean, they stretch out every, it just felt like every scene was too long. First he sees her, which is fine. But then there's two conversations about him wanting to learn more about her. And then they show the woman, like having a full conversation with just It was weird decisions on what to spend your time showing.
0: Yeah.
1: I wish they had addressed more. Uh, the relationship between the cult leader, uh, the woman, and then the older
0: guy—like they had that really weird dynamic going on between the three of them. It was. Fun. I didn't. I think I knew as much about that as I needed to know. I really. I didn't want to know anymore because I was just like anything I learn about this is not going to be.
1: <laughs> it's not going to be a fun thing to learn. And then they did the uh, yeah. the creepy. It's a big thing. I feel right in those indie movies now it's like the creepy a-frame house chapel yeah feel like that's shown up in quite a few things i don't know if that's like uh based off a, a certain chapel or what it's just a very distinct design that keeps showing up in things
0: It's just built in the middle of nowhere yeah like, this one's yeah. at the bottom of a quarry yeah it didn't make any sense how i mean how many people i'm sorry but that i mean that would take a good 20-man crew at least with that if he had heavy equipment yeah to get everything down there and set up for it those people in that cult none of them did any of that work i can tell you well except for the one guy i don't think the chainsaw guy is the only did all that by himself where was the chemist at? was he in like a bunker or something he was in the tower which i think was actually at the like an electrical tower and he had a had like a yeah a bunker underneath that so i think he had had staked out like a old utility place or something. Because they didn't really explain that too either because he got that that information from the LSD vision he got after he snorted the stuff after he killed all the bikers.
1: I can't get over the, <laughs> the chemist being added into this. It didn't feel like he was going to show up, but he seemed like a throwaway of, oh, well, they had this chemist that made super LSD.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, oh, okay, they just got drugs
0: from a guy. I think the problem was is it was... Way too simple. I mean, if they would they had the chemist in the mill, he goes, he kills the bikers and then he go, goes and kills the other three people, and there's no break in between. So yeah. I think it was more of a trying to create some kind of mythic journey or something that would go along with what the Mandy character would draw. And I mean, I, I enjoyed the chemist part. It was a nice little break, but the problem was with the chemist part was by that point, you'd watched 120 minutes of other stuff. And I, I mean, honestly, that biker gang tussle was not a fun thing to watch. No. i couldn't see
1: there was uh, there was multiple scenes of them riding atvs and motorcycles through the woods also
0: yeah and then they did the thing where he attacks them he's supposed to be this badass he attacks them and immediately screws it up and gets captured yeah and then they screw it up and let him out yeah amateur hour all the way around and i couldn't see what was going on most of the time either because when he was with them because it was so dark Mm -hmm. oh the one thing i did also like that they made is uh the cheddar goblin do you remember the, the, what? Uh, the macaroni and cheese commercials they did? Yeah, was, those were creepy. They were so awful. The chair goblin.
1: Yeah, we were, whether or not that was real, that seems like, it seemed no. like something that would be real from like the 50s or the 60s,
0: where yeah. they didn't seem
1: to realize things were terrifying.
0: Yeah, but that, that one wasn't. That was one of those uh, made-up product placement things like Tarantino does all the time. Well, there there's um, two
1: commercials about them, weren't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was just the weirdest thing in the world, and it should, I, I I guess that was their idea of a joke. I don't know. It was kind of fun. I don't know. And then it comes down to basically um, the chainsaw fight, and then the fight, and after that, there wasn't really any actual fighting going on. It was just him bumping off the last yeah. couple of people. I think yeah. the chainsaw fight was actually what the, was what they were selling the movie with oh like the trailers and stuff yeah and that was kind of like the when they were putting the media push out there it was going to be a chainsaw fight and actually i think the chainsaw fight some people said it was a little short but i think it was about exactly as long as you'd want a chainsaw fight to be yeah
1: the longer i sat there watching it the more i'm like there's not a whole lot you can do with this
0: no no and they had the especially whole... when one chainsaw is six feet long yeah but that was a huge strategic mistake I just yeah. there's there's no way you're gonna win with that thing. Well, he's not counting on the other guy having a chainsaw. Well, no, and then yeah, and then he couldn't start the chainsaw, which was 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 a good touch too. I think that was um another. That's why I was thinking Mad Max when I was looking at that. Besides uh, the two things that reminded me of Mad Max is that this was him getting captured immediately, and which <laughs> seems to always happen, and then the chainsaw thing where he. He was in a Thunderdome and he got a hold of the chainsaw and started chasing the guy with the chainsaw around, finally got it started and it lasted for about three seconds before the gas ran out. Definitely was the right guy to win with the chainsaw fight because of the guy with the smaller one's going to win. But then he, then he pulled out the ghost rider. So I thought that was good. Gotta have the ghost rider. Got the chains going. And that was probably Just real quick. Have you read the name of the biker gangs? No, I have not. What are the names of the biker games? Uh, it's Scabs, uh-huh. Fuck Pig, and uh-huh. Dog the Dog. Well, I guess now we know what the uh, second screen screenwriter was in there for. What was <laughs> coming up uh-huh. with names?
1: I just... Uh-huh. The names are never said, so I don't know why they felt the need to include them somewhere. I, I always wonder where they find things like this. Like, is it in the script and they just never...
0: Yeah, when they when they cast the parts, they always have names for. Usually, I mean, a lot of times it's for like uh, girl number one, boy number three, or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But a lot of times when they're shooting the scripts, they they'll they'll just throw names out there, and the screenwriters a lot of times will have fun with stuff like that, especially if they know they'll never they'll never get heard. Yeah.
1: <sighs> All uh, right. So we did talk to, about the director. We talked about the actors. It's just well, the writers the same, isn't it?
0: yeah and i i thought the writing was once again i think it was just pacing um mm-hmm. i don't think dialogue was really something that was important in this one i i'd be interested to know how much of the dialogue was actually you know written down and how much of it was just what somebody said how many
1: abby was saying that she thought there was only maybe a hundred words in the whole movie yeah
0: that sounds about right because that at the i mean there's a few here at the at the end but yeah, the last. Um, there's probably about 10 lines in the last half hour of the movie.
1: Yeah. At the beginning, neither one of them talked
0: particularly either.
1: <laughs> oh, and I don't want
0: to repeat any lines that happened after that. I mean, the whole, uh, it was such a, I, and then at the end of it, what was the thing he said? He told the guy that, you know, the difference between a, a crazy person and a, a psychotic and whatever was, you know, I that whole the whole ending was pretty anticlimactic actually. Yep. Well, it was
1: hard because I mean, it had to end with him killing the leader, but no one in the cult was like a fighter. And oh. I think that's the whole reason they put that gate bike gang in there, or it would have just been Nicholas Cage subsequently murdering six, five or six people in a row. <laughs>
0: I mean, somewhat justifiably, but still, yeah. And then he, I thought the one, the best, one of the best directorial parts, and actually everything else, was just at the end, where he's riding off into the that weird uh, Saturn moons and everything else going on while he's driving his station wagon off into nowhere. And he still entered into some of the stuff with uh, Mandy being like a, a, a happy ghost memory, and then also not like a demon ghost. I don't know what was going on there either. I don't even remember any of that. Yeah, that was just the end of it. Like the last okay. like the last two or three minutes as I he's may driving have been away.
1: Talking to Abby about
0: about everything else that, <laughs> that just happened. Well, they they did like a little pullback where they, they showed he was they were driving off into one of those uh like a, a fantasy world with like this you know with the Saturn in the sky and mm-hmm. that, that kind of stuff. I think more about the stuff that like kind of stuff she used to draw. So, do we have anything else we wanted to talk about with the movie? I don't think I, so. I, I don't. I, I liked it, all right. I I've
1: liked several other movies we've watched better, though.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I think it's eighty-one because it's a well-made movie. But I I'm not gonna watch this thing ever again. It's another one of those no. where it's like, eh. And I I go back and watch so many of the other ones before I'd watch this one.
1: Ugh. I've already been forced to watch Wicker Man multiple times. I don't ever watch
0: this one too. I forgot to tell you, we're going to have to watch it one more time. It's, what? It's... Oh, Wicker Man? <laughs> yeah,
1: there's no chance.
0: No chance. What All right, so how
1: are we going to... There's 19 points of blame.
0: 19 points of blame. Um, Let's go... Since so it's the same guy. We'll go... With sc- I think screenplay is the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Like 10 points to the screenplay just because it drags so much at the beginning. Yeah. And then... Uh, screenplay and
1: director together, I think, are 15 points for me. Okay,
0: let's just do that. 15 points, director and screenplay, and then that'll leave us with four points for various missteps. I think, like, the, the older lady and the... She was a little weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did... They,
1: I felt like the way the Colt's dynamics were... Probably one of the better depictions of what the inner workings of Colt would actually be like. Which is so sad, yeah, it is. But it, it, I mean, yeah. just the way he interacted differently with different people, it's like um, it's like in uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's a there's an episode where they're playing laser tag, and Dennis keeps uh yelling at Mac and telling him he's a failure, and then he'll tell D that she's doing great and she's so deserving of his love, <laughs> because that's the the best way to motivate <laughs> each of them. And that's that's what it felt like, especially that scene where. He was talking about going to get Mandy and he was screaming at the woman, and then the guy was his best friend or something
0: yeah, I god it was I think it's one of those movies where sometimes it's a, it it does it right enough that it's almost I don't want to see that yeah okay, all right so we got fifteen points to Mr. Cosmatos and four points to various people in oh and one last little bit did you notice who one of the producers was? I did not. Elijah Wood. Is that why there's a picture of Elijah Wood on the IMDB? Yeah. I just thought is. someone messed up. Okay. He's a
1: producer. Oh man. <laughs> this was when he was doing um he did Swiss Army Man, I think around the same time.
0: Yeah. No, that no is, the way that, that was Daniel Radcliffe. That was Radcliffe did that one. This no, was I...
1: him doing he was doing maybe Wilfred.
0: No, Wilfred would yeah. have already been done. Way before that. Yeah. He's but he's done some weird stuff since Lord of the Rings though. Yeah, him and Radcliffe have got this. Both got the same deal where they have as much money as they ever will need, and they can get anything done they want to. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I guess that's about it. We will be back again soon. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cage Equation. I'm Drake Nicholson with Malcolm Nicholson, and y'all have a great day.